390-KVET is our local number. Come on in, join us. 390-KVET, if you'd like to join us. Uh, once again, Donald Childs and Emmett Shelton are with us. Come on in, join us. Right now, we're talking about the Chosin campaign, Chosin Reservoir campaign of the uh, Korean conflict, war, police action, whatever you want to call it. Uh, John, hello, you're on KVET. Hi there. How you doing? Um, well, and I'd like to say hello to Emmett and uh, let him know that he's a hero of a lot of American veterans. And uh, But I'd also primarily like to thank you for having him on your show so he can put the word out like it was. You know, the two wars that we've lost, we lost because of a bunch of niggly politicians. One of them was Korea when Truman wouldn't let wouldn't let our leaders do what they thought was, our military leaders do what they thought was best. And the other one was Vietnam when they absolutely refused to even fund it. So anyhow, I just want to say thanks. And, uh, and uh, Emmett, I'm glad to hear you on the radio. Thank you. All right, thanks for calling. Bye-bye. 390-KVET is, uh, is the local number. Hung out dry, sitting out there on Lonesome Hill, <laughs> an outpost. That's about in the middle of the winter in a foreign country with a whole bunch of folks who don't want you to be around, that's not a real good place to be caught without yep. a pup tent. As a matter of fact, there's a lot better places to be, isn't there? Uh, to kind of understand the, the situation, uh, Emmy just mentioned General uh, Smith, and, and he was an incredible tactician. This, this gentleman really knew his business. As far as generals are concerned, I say he was, he was about the top. When uh, the entire Marine operation moved north under the command of, the, of MacArthur and the 10th Corps, you've got to realize that the, that the country uh, of the northern portion of Korea is incredibly mountainous, and it generally runs in mountain ranges north to south. That meant that the United Nations forces on the east side, those on the west coast, and the Marine Division moving up through the center of the country were isolated from each other because of these incredible mountain ranges. There was no east-west uh, communication. And uh, the road going up to the Chosin Reservoir and on up to the uh, Yalu River was a one-lane road made for ox carts. And actually, the old skids pulled by ox. And, and that was the nature of the, of the road that the division was moving over. Now, it was 70 miles from the beach or the coast to the Chosin Reservoir. And if you string one division over 70 miles, you've got an incredibly vulnerable position. And this is what we were ordered to do. So General Smith, in, in defense of, of, of the operation and of his, his men, he set up strong points. He set his engineers to widen that road. And even contrary to MacArthur's orders, he had an airstrip built at Hagaroo. Uh, MacArthur said, you, don't, you have no need for an airstrip. And he said, well, to fly wounded out. And he said, you're not going to have any wounded. This, this is absurd. So General Smith, on his own, went ahead and had the, the airstrip built. This was at Hagaroo. Now, the little, this little village of Hagaroo was at the very tip, the, uh, we'll say, the uh, portion of the reservoir where the water entered this massive reservoir, hydroelectric uh, supply. And uh, the... Uh, part of the uh, units were on the east side of that reservoir, as one Sheldon mentioned a moment ago. On the west side of the reservoir was the side that uh, the division, the Marine Division, was to take and move on up to the Yalu River. And that was to complete our activity, that is, to 
China border at the Yellow River and hold. Chinese didn't like that idea. Now, in the process of moving up on the west side of the reservoir, Smith had set up strong points so that supplies could be airdropped and strong points could be built up. Then uh, our units continued to move on north. Now, there is a little point there. It's, it's called a Toktong Pass. It's about midway between Hagaru and New Damney, and that was roughly 14 miles. So seven miles uh, from Hagaru was Toktong Pass. And uh, I was privileged to be among the guys that had to hold that pass. Toktong Pass. Toktong Pass. Now, we were one rifle company reinforced. We had a heavy machine gun section. We had a rocket section. We had uh, a few other uh, troops. We were roughly 280 men total. And we had the responsibility of holding that pass under Captain William E. Barber. Do you have the feeling you were considered extremely expendable at this point? You know, I've, I've thought about it a million times, but we really never even thought about such as that. It just didn't enter our mind. We were moving north. We, we, it was just one more objective, one more point, one more thing to do. We, The 7th Regiment that I was in, in Fox County, had moved through the mountains while the 5th and 7th, uh, excuse me, the 1st and 5th Regiments and so forth had moved uh, through the lower lands in, in the earlier campaigns, we'd been the ridge runners. <laughs> I think all, all hills go up. I, I don't recall going downhill very many times, but uh, we, we were so used to this sort of thing that when they put us out there on, the, on this, this hill and said, okay, this is, this is where you hold, well, you know, it was okay, it was just another hill to us. We really never thought that much about it, but uh, our responsibility was, you see, that the 5th and 7th Regiment, most of them had moved on through us, moved on up to where the hydroelectric plant was at, uh, at you damn knee, and we were to hold this high, high ground, this pass, so that the supply route would remain open. That was the critical thing about mm -hmm. it. So we went in and, and set up our positions, and uh, all heck broke loose that night about, oh, midnight, I guess it was, uh, is when the Chinese decided that they would make their move. And as a result, uh, we went up against about two regiments that uh, were continually resupplied every three days. The, reg the, the Chinese uh, changed their troops out. They took one unit out and put another unit in every three days. The, the troops would come in with three days' supply of ammunition, food, whatever, and they would rotate them. So, in effect, we were going against a, a new bunch of people every three days. And we held the held the pass for five days. We went in with two, oh, about 280 some odd men, and we came out with 80 men walking. But we held the pass. 390 KVET. A lot of questions to ask before this day is over. Hello, Charles. You're on KVET. Yeah, I'm going to ask him a question here. I'm a Korean veteran, and my best friend was a Korean veteran. He passed away. He had a heart attack uh, Wednesday night. And do you know we can't find nobody to blow taps at his. Uh, funeral at the cemetery. We tried everybody we can get a hold of. Look, look me up in the phone book and give me a call after it's over with and I'll get somebody to call, look taps for you. Okay, I mean, I sure do appreciate it. All right. Is, is there, I will find it in the phone book. Just call 327-1305. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. Bye-bye. 390-KV
you may know the survivors of that as the chosen few survivors. You walked in, Don, with, what did you say, 280 men? You walked out with 80 walking? 80, about 80 walking. Yeah, 80 walking. The rest of them either dead or wounded or missing. Well, that's true. Or, or wounded so bad they couldn't navigate themselves. Yeah, yeah well, that's what I mean. That's what yeah. I mean. 80 that, walking was walking wounded, frostbite, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that old war, we've had one caller today say we lost it. An awful lot of folks, and I suspect maybe the two of you, would disagree with that because a there is still a south korea it is a viable country uh one may question its politics but that's for another program but it's still there um a tie maybe a loss uh-uh would you would you agree with that i'd agree yes mm -hmm. it's the last one that uh i would assume under the circumstances that uh, that we won we we actually accomplished our our objective and our objective was to return the North Korean troops and so forth uh, above the 30th parallel, which was the original dividing point. That was the original directive and uh, the original order, and that's what we accomplished. We and did that. still in place. It's still in place. And South there. Korea is a free country. Yeah. Had we stopped there, there wouldn't have been a chosen reservoir, too. That's right. Uh, as a matter yeah. of interest, for what it's worth, Chosin, C-H-O-S-I-N, is the Japanese name for that reservoir. For our Korean listeners, it is Changjin. Changjin Reservoir is the Korean pronunciation. Yeah. So I just thought I'd help somebody okay. out. We appreciate that. 390 KVET. There was speculation. I, I mentioned you must have felt kind of vulnerable out there. Or did it, did it cross your mind that uh, that you were uh, extremely expendable? <laughs> Do a little Hague speak here. Well, that's yeah. right. The whole, the whole military personnel in that area, according to some speculation, was considered expendable. Any thoughts on that? Oh, Emmett's outfit, and, and in fact, all all the units were in the same position. In, in as far as uh, uh, the Marine Corps personnel, uh, when you stop and realize that uh, we had one division uh, of U.S. troops, that is Marine Corps, and, and a few, uh, uh, I'll say, additional personnel, Navy corpsmen, so on and so forth, and we were up against a Chinese army. We were roughly 20,000 men up against 120,000 estimated in, in General Sung's Ninth Chinese Army. So when you put one regiment of, uh, excuse me, one division, say 20,000 up against a, a, a matter of 120,000, you, you realize your odds. And we were again totally surrounded. Uh, when, when the Chinese hit, they, they tried to separate us into those strong points. And uh, basically, that's what they did. But uh, in the process, uh, we, uh, our guys made a real good showing. Yeah. They, they did super good. I mean, Emmett's outfit, uh, the 1st Regiment, the 7th Regiment, all of them, they, they did incredibly well. The uh, troops, our NCOs, and most of our officers were right out of uh, World War II. They were, they were seasoned people. They were good people. And we were up against a good army. The Chinese army was no slouch. They'd been fighting for Mao. They'd fought Chang, and they'd, they'd been fighting for years. So it was just two good outfits put against each other, and we come out best. I think most people have the impression of communist armies, the same army that uh, that put their guns down after the Bolshev Bolshevik Revolution uh, <laughs> in World War One. Taint so. Taint no. so. 
the same army has been fighting the Japanese before they started with Cheyenne Kaishak, you know. They and had a lot other. of experience. And each other. <clears throat> That's right. They, they never did lay down their arms. And when you get in the Chinese army, you're in there. You, you die or are so badly maimed that you can't carry a gun anymore. Yeah. That's it. 390-KVET. Hello, Oliver. Hello. Uh, I just had a question. I was wondering if the Yalu River ever freezes over. I imagine it doesn't uh, at about this time, but... My understanding was that they wanted to bomb those bridges, and, and for some reason that never did come off, and I was wondering how, how much stock to put in that. They did bomb the bridges, but by then they'd frozen over, and they didn't need the bridges anymore. I see. They didn't carry any heavy equipment. They didn't carry their artillery in there. They had a, oh, we, got, we got hit by a, a uh, mountain howitzer over there. When we first got hit by the Chinese, they are deadly with a mortar or howitzer. And we were on this little knob, and they had it zeroed in, and they... Every time a mortar shell had come in, it looked like it would get one of our guys. And it made me a little bit excited, to say the least. And um, there was a mountain howitzer, though, shooting over our hill. And I think it would have stood up, it had hit us. But it was they could see our artillery on the reverse side of the hill where we were. And they, they thought they were hitting among them, which they weren't. Well, we called in an airstrike. I asked the pilot what was over the hill there. Where was this coming from? And he couldn't see anything but a village, and we said, well, we'll destroy the village. And he did so, and that's where they were in one of the houses over there, and we, that ended our problem with that. Okay, I've got one other question sure. about, uh, I was over there oh, after all the shooting had stopped, but uh, my understanding at that time was that there were landmines and so forth, just this was out around Seoul. And uh, I was just wondering, with the Olympics coming up, uh, you know, it's been like 25 years ago, but still, I'm wondering how safe it is to, uh, you know, for, for a lot of people to go over there. You can't really keep that, that much tabs on people walking around, and uh, especially if they, you know, they go out away from the city. I'm wondering if, you know, how much danger there is there. I'll bet you the Koreans have gone out there and picked up every one of those, taken the scrap heap. I think they've got them all. Oh, uh, listen, those people are so, <laughs> so hard up. I bet they ran out and picked up all the brass that we shot up there in the mountains and everything else. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I, I don't think there'd be any problem there. And the friends I have that have gone to Korea recently, it's, it's not anywhere near the same country it was when we were there. Very rural, uh, small villages, thatched huts, this type of thing, thatched roofs anyway. And uh, from what I understand, it's, it's fairly modern now. All right. Okay, thank you a lot. We thank you for calling. Bye. You ever been back, either of you? No, I haven't yet. Any desire to go back? Oh, personally, I, I really wouldn't uh, be too excited about going to the southern part. Of, I would, uh, if I went back, I would. Uh, the only place I'd want to go is up around Chosin. I, I would like to walk that that area again and look at it again. If I thought I'd get back, but they've already had one crack at me, I don't know if I want to give them another one. <laughs> <laughs> that that is the way most veterans look at it. Yeah. One one wants to go back, and and uh, yeah, no. No disrespect meant, but look at the old foxholes. Oh, yeah. Uh, the other wouldn't go back on a bet. That's true. I understand.